Welcome to the uh, first Mulready Minute podcast. Uh, this is our very first one. We hope to do many in the future uh, with some interesting guests, uh, even for you non-insurance uh, geeks out there. But uh, right away, we've got a great guest to start, uh, kick it off with. And uh, let me introduce uh, the uh, COO, Chief Operating Officer of the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, the NEIC. For those of you unfamiliar with that, uh, the NEIC is made up of 56 uh, commissioners, superintendents, regulators, uh, and for those of you that paid attention in junior high, there's only 50 states. So uh, it does include all states plus DC plus uh, five U.S. territories. So, or I guess it would be four U.S. territories, but that makes up the NEIC, the national organization of all of us uh, insurance regulators. So we're honored today to have uh, Andy Beal with us, who is the COO. I'll, I'll quickly re- read through his bio so you know a little bit more about him. Uh, He joined the NEIC back in 1999. Uh, He served as general counsel from 2000 till July of 2006 when he was promoted uh, to be deputy executive vice president and their chief legal officer. He was appointed COO and chief legal officer in February of 2009. Uh, In his current role, his duties include managing the day-to-day operations uh, of key initiatives as well as engagements in innovation and emerging technologies in the insurance sector. And actually, his biggest job and most time-consuming is keeping uh, CEO Mike Considine in line. But that's another story. Uh, He's been directly involved in a lot of big projects. Uh, I won't go into all those details, but life insurance, annuities, disability, long-term care, um, reciprocity requirements under the Graham-Leach-Bliley Act, uh, global information sharing agreement of state insurance regulators, as well as technology and data collection initiatives undertaken by this organization over the past few years. His prior legal experience includes serving as a judge advocate in the U.S. Marine Corps. So we've got a JAG officer uh, with us and, more importantly, as legal counsel at the Oklahoma Insurance Department. How about that? And uh, he's worked in the private practice uh, as well as in-house legal counsel for an insurance company. Uh, Andy attended the University of Missouri at Kansas City. Uh, received a degree in history and political science, then received his JD right here, Oklahoma City University School of Law, uh, licensed to practice in both Missouri and uh, Oklahoma. So we are thrilled to have Andy on. He's a national leader within the uh, within the NEIC. And so, Andy, welcome, and thank you for agreeing to our, our first uh, podcast. Commissioner, it is great to be with you all. I have such fond memories of my time in Oklahoma, both as a a law school student, but uh, also my days at the Oklahoma Insurance Department, and I was formerly the general counsel there at Midcontinent Life when when it was uh, inexistent before it was sold. Uh, but yeah, we uh, we used to live over in the Crown Heights neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We still have close friends down there, and I still try to make it down there with my wife at least once or twice a year. Good. Well, thank you for being on. We thought we'd kind of get some perspective from you from the national perspective on uh, on the pandemic and, and COVID-19, its impact on the on the industry. So um, what would you say has been the biggest effect of, well, you almost wanted to say 2020, uh, but the pandemic uh, and the industry uh, globally? That's a really good question, Commissioner. And probably the biggest impact on the insurance industry is really the increased reliance on technology you know, I look at it in two ways, from an internal operations side, certainly at the NEIC, but in my uh, discussions with uh, industry representatives, you know, they're saying the same thing. You know, most companies had to transition to working remotely fairly quickly. 
um, that uh, created you know its own set of challenges. Uh, and you, you think about it in terms of a, a leadership and management perspective, you go from managing a team you know in the office where you see people pretty much on a daily basis to managing them virtually uh, via you know laptops uh, and having you know whether it's daily or weekly standups to make sure things are working correctly. But, but uh, that was quite, and has been quite an adjustment uh, for most businesses. Um, and then from an external standpoint, when you think about you know, the customer, meeting the customer needs, customer service, uh, again, uh, it uh, created new challenges for a lot of folks in the insurance industry, both at the uh, agent, the insurance agent level, uh, as well as the insurance company level. Uh, I think it's put more emphasis now on, again, becoming more tech savvy, becoming more nimble, uh, and, and being resilient in, in many ways. Let's talk for just a minute about business interruption and how that impacted us and how that changes going forward. As an organization, the NEAC you know, in it, uh, reacted initially in the early stages. I would say it was probably it was either March or April of last year where uh, we issued a policy statement opposing uh, the retroactive um, application of, of business interruption mm -hmm. coverage. Um, you know, the simple fact is, is that the, those, those policies in place um, that excluded, you know, business interruption coverage uh, due to pandemic, I mean, those companies were not collecting premiums for that coverage. So consequently, if you're asking the companies, the insurance companies to go back and cover a risk uh, upon which you know the premium wasn't based, they're not reserving for it. Uh, potentially, you could have you know devastating impacts on you know the financial, the solvency uh, structure of the of the industry, which could potentially lead you know to uh, financial systemic risk, you know throughout the financial services sector. So there was, uh, and rightly so, a lot of concern about that uh, initially, uh, and then in the fall. Um, the NEAC uh, adopted a policy position in supporting uh, a, an approach involving a federal mechanism, you know, working through Congress, um, to uh, it, which would provide, you know, widespread coverage for business interruption. Um, it, it, there were a couple of conditions to it. One being, of course, that if there were uh, insurance policies used to provide this coverage through the insurance industry, we certainly wanted to make sure that the state-based insurance regulatory framework remained intact. Um, we also wanted to make sure that, you know, premiums would be, you know, priced at a reasonable amount, uh, affordable. Um, and we also wanted to make sure that uh, it was available and that consumers were, were taken care of. Now, we also know that there's certainly been a lot of some a fair amount of litigation that's that's come out of this and as that litigation was starting to get generated uh in the middle part of last year the neac working with the states conducted uh, coordinated a data call and and the and really the the purpose of that data call was to try to get an idea of the extent of the market uh, the insurance market when it comes to business interruption coverage and to also get an idea, you know, as far as payment of claims uh, and, and related factors, you know, but the results um, of the survey showed that, um, you know, there were, I think there were 83% uh, 
of, of policies that uh, that had exclusions for, for viruses and, and, and pandemics, uh, which was, of course, a significant amount. And then you had, uh, I believe, 98% of the policies that required some type of actual property damage uh, in order for a claim to move forward. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once all of this information was pulled together, uh, it certainly gave uh, the, 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 the insurance regulators a much better picture of what was going on in the marketplace. And I think, to be honest with you, that information, which of course we've, we've shared, it's been made public, but I think that's you know one of the drivers uh, as far as seeking more uh, of, a, of a remedy here in Congress, trying to come up again with some sort of a mechanism that uh, can be applied on a national basis. I think, uh, you know, explain to folks early on with that piece uh, those that the, aren't insurance geeks go back to my earlier term uh, that but the thought of how do you underwrite how do you price something where literally in this situation every business in the world is going to have a claim at the same time and how do you underwrite and right. actually price for that and it's, it's really impossible to do the, the challenge though with a pandemic is when you look at that pooling of risk a pandemic is so widespread that there's there's you know, at least a decent probability that, you know, a significant majority of those pooled risk will suffer claims or suffer damages in some way and will want to pay claims. And, and that goes beyond the scope of the traditional notions of insurance. In light of that, Andy, any, any comment on what area maybe was impacted more than the other, uh, you know, between life insurance and health insurance and auto insurers or any thoughts on uh, the different impacts on different sections? Yes, uh, you know, and it, it really depended on the, the line of, of, of business. You know, life insurance, for example, um, um, saw an increase in the number of people purchasing life insurance during the pandemic. So um, that was a positive development, you know, for the life insurers and for the agents selling life insurance. When you look at auto insurance, the, along the lines of what you just mentioned, uh, people, uh, because of the lockdown uh, and working remotely, people weren't driving as much. So there was a drastic reduction in uh, the miles driven um, across the country. And therefore, a number of the insurers um, writing auto insurance um, decided to uh, give back funds uh, or credit uh, uh, policyholders. And the last number that I saw from the um, the Insurance Information Institute is that roughly 10 point, a little over $10 billion uh, were given back to policyholders in credits or refunds. There have been a lot of things that have changed or adapted during 2020. And uh, wondering what you think or what you're hearing nationally about what of that sticks, what stays, what carries forward beyond uh, the emergency order or the year 2020 or this pandemic. I think. I'll, Many of us are, are kind of waiting to see and monitor developments, um, but uh, and, and in some respects, maybe it's too early to really say for sure. But you know, for example, the 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 uh, your reference to the health insurance side with with telemedicine um, that that is something that really developed uh, during the pandemic, whereas beforehand before the pandemic. You know, not so much. I mean, it was more in the pioneering stages, if you will. But the pandemic really forced that issue on 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 the industry, 
and they've adapted really well. And I think um, when you look at certain sectors of the population, maybe they, they live in remote places, they don't have easy access uh, to get to a doctor's office or to the emergency room or, or to the clinic. Um, telemedicine, you know, certainly has benefits there. And I think you may see some of that continue to move forward. Um, but I think also uh, that over the next, you know, couple of years, we're going to see a transitionary period where some things may readjust and rebalance back uh, closer to where we were pre-pandemic, whereas other, uh, other items um, remain very much intact because they're seen as a valuable uh, customer benefit uh, and, and uh, there's a demand for it. So, so I think a lot of what we'll be doing here is, is we're, we're still gonna be in somewhat new territory here over the next couple of years. Companies are, 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 are certainly uh, challenged by technology. And I say that from a couple of different perspectives, Commissioner. Um, you know, by far and away, a lot of the larger companies, you know, they certainly have uh, the financial capital uh, to to pursue and, and and make, you know, the the investments in technology. And when I say technology, it's it's you know, it's moving to the cloud. Mm -hmm. It's uh, developing, you know, better uh, data analytics uh, functionality. Of course, you have to have good data in order to be able to to conduct those analytics. Uh, so there are a lot of investments uh, going into that area. Now, it, 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 and sometimes it, it may be a challenge for smaller companies uh, to keep up in that regard, simply because again, as we all know, technology is expensive. And so there's always a concern, uh, and, and to be honest with you, this goes back to pre-pandemic days when you look at the insure tech sector and you look at these new evolving technologies you know some would argue that uh you know it will give a competitive advantage to some insurance uh companies more so than the others because you know you have to be able to keep up mm -hmm. and that goes back to the old adage that you know uh you've got to be nimble you've got to be able to be to respond quickly to to new trends and, and i think the the pandemic just exacerbated that in many respects I wonder if you might, number one, take a minute, just talk a little bit about the NEIC uh, and, and, and who they are. I know we've got a bunch of employees there in Kansas City and in D.C. and then some, some folks in New York. Maybe we'll give a little overview of the NEIC and then talk about what the priorities are uh, for this next coming year. This year, um, we do have a few um, items that carry over from last year, COVID-19, of course, being one of them. I, I think everyone recognizes we're, we're not out of the woods just yet, and there are still some some issues impacting the insurance sector that will require attention. Some of it, of course, in the, the health insurance area, probably uh, more so than, than other areas. But as you noted before, uh, with regard to life insurance, um, there, there are certainly some issues that, that can percolate and, and get everyone's attention. Um, I would say, you know, uh, the other uh, issues uh, also included in that uh, top realm of, of priorities would include long-term care insurance. Again, the industry has, has uh, been struggling over the last number of years. There are the, the companies that write that business have been greatly reduced over the last 20, 25, 30 years. Um, but you know, as, as we both know, there are still a fair amount of, of people out there that still have long-term care insurance policies that uh, 
are getting older and may have to rely on those policies. So, um, you know, that's from a from a consumer protection standpoint, that's that's an important issue. Uh, and then, you, of course, you have big data and artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. What we touched on earlier, as far as data analytics, that's becoming uh, more widely used in in many facets of the financial and service of financial services industry, including uh, insurance. And so, there's certainly a need there for the insurance regulators to really monitor developments uh, closely to make sure that. Uh, the, the information that's being collected and used is being done so, um, you know, within the confines of the uh, of the law. Uh, and that also goes to consumer data and privacy. You know, another really big area is um, natural catastrophe and resiliency. Uh, the last couple of years have shown uh, that when you look at the number of natural catastrophes in the country, whether they be the wildfires out west, the severe storms coming through, you know, the spring storm season, uh, the number of named tropical storms that have made landfall and done damage, uh, flooding, you know, uh, to name just a few uh, of, of those events, those are having just significant impacts on the property and casualty industry over the last couple of years. And I know that you're very much aware of that in, in Oklahoma, uh, because again, as, as part of being in Tornado Alley, uh, you you all are not uh, immune from that. You know, we, we, we actually get a few here in, in the Kansas and Missouri area too, but I think that uh, my recollection when I lived in Oklahoma in the 1990s, there were some big ones that came through. Um, and I remember the Moore uh, tornado uh, vividly in 99 when that occurred. So, um, so yes, in the PNC area, that uh, natural catastrophes are, are big. And then the two other ones, uh, that uh, or I should say the other one that I, I would note it would be race and insurance. Uh, again, that's something where the NEC recently created a, a new executive level task force to uh, to focus on that area. And, and really, it's all about making sure that when you think about people of color or other uh, historically disadvantaged uh, sectors of, of society, to make sure that they're being treated fairly you know, within that, that insurance regulatory framework that, 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 that that's out there. You know, 40 years ago, it was real easy to review uh, underwriting and rating um, characteristics and what was being utilized. Uh, and so the number one role of a regulator when it comes to the, to underwriting and rating is to make sure it's non-discriminatory uh, and then mm-hmm. fair and reasonable. But that non-discriminatory is a top component. And uh, how much easier that was 40 years ago when you were reviewing some papers, uh, maybe writer in writing, but now with, uh, with big data and artificial intelligence, it has made our job a lot tougher. So uh, that wraps up our first podcast. Thank you for being that uh, first-time guest to kick this off, and uh, we'll look forward to future conversations with you as we go forward. You're very welcome, Commissioner. I look forward to, uh, to doing this again maybe sometime in the future, and I'll be with you there in Oklahoma City. Sounds great. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for joining us on the uh, Mulready Minute uh, podcast.